I'm Michelle Samakis with Garden Center Magazine, and this is the Hort Report podcast. Today, I'm joined by Bobby Schwartz, certified landscape designer based in Shaker Heights, Ohio, a Cleveland suburb, and author of the recent book, Garden Renovation, Transform Your Yard into the Garden of Your Dreams. Bobby, thank you for being with us today. You're very welcome, Michelle. Bobby, can you tell listeners here just a little bit about your background and a little bit about yourself? Certainly. I knew nothing about gardening or landscape design uh, for a very long time. When my husband and I bought our first house in 1969, it came with a garden. And my next-door neighbor came over, introduced himself to me, and promptly identified and explained every plant, told me its name, how to take care of it, and I got hooked on gardening. And I am now an obsessed gardener, also (laughs) known as a plantaholic. So I kept reading about plants, buying plants, trialing plants. Eventually I had friends and neighbors asking me for advice. And in 1977, I opened my own business. And I was available for consultations, both indoors and outdoors, because houseplants were very, were all the rage then. But nobody seemed to know how to take care of them. So there I was. And as people asked me to do more, I would say, yes, I can do that. And I would find a book to tell me how to do it. And eventually I took some classes in landscape design, and then I joined trade associations so that I was constantly attending seminars and conferences and going on garden tours and meeting other contractors and other designers. That's how I got started. And the business has grown. I have met wonderful people in the green industry. Now I basically work as a landscape designer. People will call me to explain their landscape problems, and I'm their problem solver. I'm their landscape doctor. I love that story, too, how it started when you were in a situation that many people find themselves in when they buy their first home. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, just totally frustrated, not sure where to start. Um, And that's actually how you kick off your book. You write that you have met many homeowners who are frustrated with the yards and gardens. Um, They don't know where to begin. Was there a specific client or story that prompted you to write this book? What prompted me to write the book was very gratifying. Timber Press, which is the leading horticultural publisher in the country, came to me and asked me to write this book. And it was very gratifying because it felt like a validation of my whole career. And it gives me the opportunity to share with people who don't know where to start all of the experience and knowledge that I have gained as a landscape designer. And the target audience in the book, um, I'm not sure if this was decided with a conversation with you and Timber Press, but... Was there a homeowner, again, that you had in mind while writing this book, or how did you determine the target audience? Basically, Timber said I should think of homeowners who want to make changes as my target audience. 
but I also think the book would be very valuable for master gardeners because they're always advising the public. I think it would be very valuable for garden center staff because their customers are always asking questions and they need educated answers. And I also think it would be valuable for landscape designers because there are so many ideas in the book, particularly the photographs. There are 275 photos in the book. 260 of them are mine. They've been taken all over the country, Canada and Europe. And a lot of them are different than what we're used to seeing, and so they will stimulate the imagination. Garden centers have been considering this for a long time as well, but I'm curious, you have been in the business for 40 years. You've been helping people transform their yards and gardens for that long. How has the customer changed since you started your career as a landscape designer? Well, some things have not changed. Most of the people who have come to me as clients are people who've been in their homes for a while and their, their situation has changed quite often. The children are grown, and now they want to make some changes in their landscapes. The other type of client I frequently get is someone who has purchased an older home. They've been in the house probably for a year, and they've been busy working on the inside of the house. And now they're ready to work on the outside. But again, they don't know where to start. The other difference is that I have more people who are interested in the environment, uh, in sustainability, and also in lower maintenance. So trying to put those interests together, for instance, if someone has a wet backyard, perhaps putting in a rain garden, if they don't want to put in any irrigation, designing a xeriscape for them, which is X-E-R-I-S-C-A-P-E, not Z-E-R-O. Right. <laughs> but that is basically a landscape composed of drought-tolerant plants. And then I have people who say... I want to change the patio or the sidewalk or the driveway, but I realize that that is impermeable substance, and I want, want the new hardscape to be permeable so that stormwater does not run off the property into the sewers, that instead it goes down into the ground and eventually back into the aquifer. So you've definitely noticed more of an environmental focus. I, I saw that Absolutely. in the book, too. You had ideas for rain barrels mm -hmm. and uh, ideas for alternatives to lawns as well. Yes. I have believed for a long time that many of our properties have way more lawn than we need, and lawns are pesticide, herbicide-intensive, they're water-intensive, they're labor-intensive. Just think of the time it takes to mow a lawn. 
Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but of course, you know, lawn is is good for kids to play in for you know swing oh, sets, dogs. Um, right. What right. would you say the percentage of your customers with that environmental focus in mind in the last five years? I would say it's over 50%. Okay. Okay. That really, really has changed. And, and I think part of the reason the percentage is so high is that I have examples in my portfolio on my website of both Xeriscapes and rain gardens, and I talk about less lawn, so people, potential clients, are aware that this is something I specialize in. Right, so you're, you're drawing in that type of customer as well. Right, right. Um, many of the homes and gardens featured in your book um, seem to be more established. It may not necessarily be people's first homes. I know you said you'd all, you right. work with both types of clients. Uh, but what would you say maybe with homeowners with, you know, more limited budgets or people who don't plan to live in the home forever but they really want to enjoy their space, is there something they should prioritize first? Because as you mentioned, you know, landscape design is not inexpensive. Even soil amendments can be thousands of dollars. So, right. I think if people are not planning to stay in their homes for a long time, they should start with the front. So many front yards are not welcoming. There are old plants that have not been pruned, so they're hiding windows and doors. That's a good place to start. One of the things that people need to determine is whether the plants that are there are prunable, because some plants can be pruned, although you certainly have to do it annually. There are others that look absolutely awful and will not regrow if you prune them. So you know, need to know which ones are which. And someone working at a garden center who knows their plants could look at a photo and say, for instance, Forsythia is a wonderful plant for what's called rejuvenation pruning, which means you basically cut the whole thing to the ground in the spring as soon as it finishes blooming. And the root structure is sound and strong, and new shoots will come back up, but they will be shorter. The other thing is some plants, many evergreens, do not take to pruning well. And so, again, if they have a photo that they can show a knowledgeable staff member at a garden center, and that person can say, if it's that big, it's not going to take pruning well, but perhaps you can transplant it to another spot uh, on your property. So basically prioritizing the front and trying to work with maybe what they already have in a new way. Right, right. You write in the book, and you, you mention this a lot, that patience is the key, and you emphasize this <laughs> repeatedly, <laughs> uh, which a lot of times... It's, it's hard to have patience when you're waiting for live things to grow. Um, oh, it is. There's no <laughs> question about it. But the problem is if you install plants too close together without leaving room for them to grow to mature size, you are causing yourself future maintenance problems. 
And so one way to deal with all those spaces in between is to plant some annuals for a couple of years while the permanent plants have a chance to get established and grow. Yeah, and you mentioned that's a lot easier than having to transplant them later when you realize that they're getting too big for their space. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. And, and frequently the, the places where I see that is along driveways where people plant too close to the driveway, and then a few years later the shrubs are brushing against their cars because they didn't plant far enough back, allowing for what would be the mature diameter. And this is something I think that's important for garden center staff to know too. These, these big mistakes that you see in garden renovation projects and your own clients or they've done some work before you've gotten there and then sort of seeing the mm -hmm. results of that. Is there anything else that you would say, you know, people in garden centers should look for, you know, when people are coming in and they're saying, you know, I don't know where to start, I don't know where to begin, and you know, anything else that they could look for? They need to help customers establish what their goals are and what their priorities are because no one can do everything at once. You know, you want to do this, you want to do that, but what do you want to do first? If this is the thing that you want to do first, why is it that you're trying to change what you have? And are there particular colors that you like? Um, for instance, someone may come in and they say, I need new patio furniture. So someone on the staff should say, what color is your house? Right. What color and material is the patio? Because what you want to do is pick a material for the furnishings and a color that will tie the patio and the house together. And what are your colors inside? Because you may want to bring those colors outside. In speaking of patio furniture, you mentioned that example. The first portion of your book is all about everything but plants and just the foundation <laughs> of a well, uh, yard and garden design. are the icing yes. on the cake. <laughs> <laughs> and so you really need to bake your cake first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I think that that makes absolute sense. And, I, and, you know, what can garden centers, I guess, learn from that? Because I think... So many people probably go to garden centers first thinking, let's start with plants. I'm guessing a lot of gardeners mm -hmm. start with plants because they think, mm -hmm. oh, that's the easiest thing to do. That's, you know, or they want that sort of instant gratification and in getting some color at their, in their right. yard. Right. Well, I think, I mean, even if they want to start with plants, and there are definitely times when that is valid. For instance, a foundation planting, which is hiding windows and doors, needs to be changed. And if they have reached the point where they've decided they don't want to spend time pruning or they just don't like the plant and they want to take those out, then when they're speaking to someone at the garden center about what would be an appropriate plant as a substitute, the staff person needs to be asking a lot of questions. How high are the window sills? 
so that they can guide the customer to a plant that at mature size will not be higher than the windowsill. And, of course, that person should also be saying, now, of course, you know you're buying it at half the size that it will ultimately be. So you need to have some patience because it is not going to look like the vision in your head as soon as you install these plants. It takes time for them to mature. So the staff person can be asking about the height of the windowsill. They can be asking and should ask, how much light does that area get? Is it full sun? Is it part shade? Is it full shade? Um, because plants will not thrive if they're in the wrong situation. They should be asking the customer, what is your soil like? Has the customer even put a shovel into the soil right. to, see, <laughs> to see what it's like? Right. Um, or examine it, the light in their yard. I mean, do they even know if they get full sun, exactly, part sun? Exactly. And they probably don't because they probably haven't taken the time to observe that. Most soil, particularly... If someone has moved into a house where the landscape hasn't been touched in several years, chances are the soil is terrible. And so then the garden center staff member could be saying, well, you know, perhaps what you should be doing is amending your soil first before we pick the plants. And here are the products that you could use to do that. And that way, the customer is going to come back, especially if they're talking to someone who is knowledgeable. I can see so many customers, though, you know, being, again, that instant gratification. How does a garden center employee deal with that? Because I'm sure some people will be like, well, I just want to plant something. Or <laughs> it, it does, and I understand that. The light, the drainage, and whether or not the person intends who have an irrigation system or already has one, um, those are, that's crucial information. And I, I think to protect the garden center, the employee should say, if you're not going to amend the soil first, um, and this would have to be a discussion with the garden center owner, there is no guarantee on those plants. Absolutely, because if they don't have the right foundation and... That's right. The yeah. plants are going to die. I mean, for instance, if somebody sees they're in the perennial section, and if they see Agastaches in bloom, and there's so many different ones now, and they're gorgeous. But they need really well-drained soil, particularly in the winter, because otherwise the roots rot. So the client buys it. It does fine the first summer and then it dies over the winter and they come back and say my plant died well hello you did not amend your soil <laughs> <laughs> and I think too you make a good point in the book that for people while they're doing these things that they need to do checking the light source in their home and really understanding what type of light they're working with amending their soil mm -hmm. they can get hanging baskets or uh, pots oh, yeah. on their porch to I kind mean, of, yeah. Can, yes, containers are a great way 
to have instant color. I mean, the containers themselves can be colorful. They can be any shape, any size. There's so many different materials. I will say that it's important for people to know, and this is something else garden center staff can tell them, the larger the container, the less often it will have to be watered. But but it is a way, as you point out, to have instant gratification. Right. How did you narrow down the plant choices in your book, and how did you choose to highlight the plants that you did? I mean, I know obviously perennials, um, ornamental grasses, that's that's a big focus of yours. But there's so many plants that you've seen in, in the past four decades that you've do, been doing oh, this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the plant choices have exploded. And for the most part, when I talk about plants in the book, I'm using illustrations of types of plants rather than saying this is what you should use because I've written the book so that it can be used anywhere in the country. It is not zonally specific. So people need to take the time to do some research if they are replacing plants or adding plants. Uh, It's so easy with Google now to, for instance, put in shrub, sun, um, dry, and a bunch of choices will come up. Yes, Google makes everything easier. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. But, I mean, those, those are the things, if, if you can specify where it's going to go, what kind of, you know, what kind of light, how much moisture, you can put in what color, you can put in when it blooms. There, there are a number of different sites, websites now, that will give you that kind of information. And then, you know, and you can get the information on all, and then you click on images, and you will see photos of the plants. But if at all possible, you should also go to the garden center and see them in person because photos are deceptive, particularly when it comes to color. Right, and I know a lot of garden centers will say that, you know, maybe the customer found that a plant was in a specific zone that it's really not, or misinformation. Right, but the other thing is, plants do not read. (laughs) So, So a label may say that the plant grows 24 inches tall, a very good example of that is Centranthus. Uh, the common name is Jupiter's beard. And there's a pinky red one, and there's also a white one. So if that is grown in full sun where it's somewhat dry, it will be upright. It will be 24 inches tall. If it is grown in partial shade and even just average moisture, it is probably going to flop over, and it will only be 12 inches tall. But again, that label doesn't go into those sorts of specifics. The label doesn't tell you that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Speaking of garden centers, since this is the Hort Report podcast and readers are staff and owners of independent garden centers, what do you hope they take away from uh, your book, or what are What's maybe one major takeaway for them that you hope that they get from from garden renovation? I would say 
I hope they will use their book, that they will distribute it to their staff so that the staff becomes more knowledgeable, they can answer customers' questions, and I think that will make customers be repeat customers. If they know that there is a resource, a knowledgeable resource, they will keep coming back. Absolutely, and especially if they can help them find success with whatever challenges they're facing. Exactly. Well, is there anything else I didn't ask that you would like to mention? (laughs) Well, I suppose we should let people know that they can buy the book at Amazon.com. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Again, the book is called Garden Renovation transform your yard into the garden of your dreams. All right. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Bobby. I appreciate it. You are very welcome, Michelle. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. 